0: U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.
1: Hello, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are The Great Ones. Today is November 11th. On this show, we are going to touch on the most recent news and roster juggling that will affect your fantasy teams on an ongoing basis. Andrew, I have to think that Patrick Kane's breathing a sigh of relief this week. Are you surprised by his on-ice performance in light of the off-ice noise that has been surrounding this kid for the last few weeks?
2: I have to say I'm not surprised. I think that you know Kane went through a really tough situation i think it's 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 pretty clear he was not guilty of what he was accused of uh which i'm very happy about on a, on a fantasy level and also on a personal level for him i'm i'm glad that he you know didn't do that uh but what it did do for him i think is give him a real strong motivation to focus on hockey to say i'm going to put everything else to the side I'm going to focus on hockey. I'm going to be the best hockey player I can be and let everything else work itself out. I think that's just what he did, and I think that we're seeing a a fully focused Patrick Kane for the first time in his career.
1: And that's a beautiful thing because, on a personal note for him, he's got to live up to a a signature contract in the NHL. He's got a $10.5 million cap hit for the next eight years, and you'd like to think the Hawks are going to get more of a return in the future and not just simply be paying this guy off for what he's already achieved in his career. That's uh, the crazy thing about the big contracts that I see, and uh, he has a fighting chance to live up to that as long as he performs at this level, and uh, good, good on him for doing so. I think uh, I agree with your sentiment. This is one of the league's uh, marquee guys, and it's good to know that he is going to play with a clean slate going forward.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. He's only 26 years old. It seems like he's been in the league forever, and, and he has. Uh, you know, it's, it's getting on toward a decade already uh but you know Kane still has quite a lot of productive years left in him and you'll see him among the uh the all-time scoring leaders I think by the time he's all said and done
1: and I know we've talked about him and Jonathan Taves in uh, previous weeks where we said you know these guys have almost done enough in the early part of their career particularly when you couple that with the league championships that they both have on their resumes to qualify for the Hockey Hall of Fame we saw the recent inductions uh, earlier this week out of Toronto, and I'm sure that both of those guys are going to qualify should they continue with the trajectory of their careers. But there are other guys that we want to talk about who are pretty hot right now, and some of them are surprising names, others not so much. But uh, I want to touch on a few of these with a- with you, Andrew, and knock some names around and, and see if we think that their project, uh, projected uh, performance in the future will uh, dovetail with what's going on right now. Uh, Off the top, I want to bring up Jeff Carter's name. This guy has been a second-liner in the L.A. situation, but his line, featuring himself, Tyler Toffoli, and uh, Milan Milan Lucic has been on fire in the last uh, couple of weeks and really have scored about half of the goals that the Kings have uh, tallied so far this year. Can this unit, and particularly Jeff Carter, keep it up and raise his fantasy profile a little bit higher to that of a first-liner going forward?
2: Well, I think that the Kings are going to want to keep that line combo together. I think it's Toffoli who's really driving the productivity of that line, although I'm not taking anything away from from Lucic or from Carter. Uh, They're both veteran players, been a long time. Although Lucic, very inconsistent so far. Carter has been really, really good, uh, operating at a point-per-game pace, even though he went scoreless with a minus two last night against Arizona. You don't like to see the Kings uh, welcoming Arizona to Los Angeles and taking another loss. Uh, a little bit disappointing there for them and for for Jeff Carter, but uh... this is kind of a, a vintage Carter. Reminds me of the the guy who was scoring big goals uh, in big situations, especially on the power play against my Rangers back in his Philadelphia days.
1: That's right. Uh, that was quite a rivalry back then, but they have another one uh, that they're nurturing uh, out on the left coast with. Uh other uh, residents of california and so that's going to be good hockey all season long when those three teams lock horns but uh moving over to the central states nathan mckinnon two goals three assists in his last five games he has been up and down in the early part of his career a strong rookie season followed by a very ordinary sophomore campaign i kind of subscribe to the whole sophomore (laughs) jinx theory i wonder where you land stand on it And do you think we're seeing more of the real Nathan McKinnon with his recent performance of two goals, three assists in the past week?
2: I have to say, I think for a lot of guys, the sophomore slump is a real thing. And it seems to me to be concentrated in a weird way among not just uh, guys who break out as rookies, because, you know, you have a a wide range of of breakouts as rookies, and we'll talk about another guy who broke out uh, in John Klingberg a little later, uh... But you have guys like McKinnon, Aaron Ekblad. These guys were top picks, had big rookie seasons. And then the expectations are so high for them to build on them. Their sophomore season, they seem to always fall back a little bit, disappoint. But then they come back uh, in that post-hype situation the third year, and they seem to always pick up their game and find uh, something new. Uh, The really great players, I think, make an adjustment uh, in response to the league's adjustment to them, uh, defending them a little bit better, a little bit tighter. Uh, putting you know better guys on them, and they become better moving forward.
1: Well, and and we want to look uh, in this part of the show at a couple of players who are filling in admirably for uh, teammates who have gone by this uh, the injured reserve list, and that's in St. Louis a classic example of uh, the added value that Alex Dean has when he you think he's stepping up, uh, replacing Paul Stastny, Jaden Swartz, and pulling on the end of the rope dragging st louis forward and keeping them competitive i give him a lot of credit for the fact that this club is continuing to sustain uh, a profile as one of the top teams in the western conference and along with him david backus is being asked to pick up his game he struggled early on out of the gate had a two-goal game recently these guys are really going to have to deliver while the aforementioned duo is out of the lineup have they got enough here to withstand the absence of these two players?
2: You know, I do like the Blues' depth. Uh, I think they have uh, a lot of depth in the organization to to cover for some of these injuries. Uh, Stasny is a loss, but Jaden Schwartz, I think, is, is the really huge loss. Uh, this is a guy who I think is one of the best two-way players in the entire NHL, uh, right up there in the neighborhood of a, a young Pavel Datsuk in his own way. But I really like Steen. I don't think that... I don't know if he's necessarily being asked to do much more than he ever has before. I know he's always played you know, very heavy minutes the last you know, five years. Uh, he has a, a little bit of a career high in ice time. He's averaging 20-28 uh, this year. Very high for a forward. A little bit higher than his career high from two years ago of 2017. But still no power play goals for Steen. Very surprising to see him uh, usually a, a reliable power play performer and not get into the into the column there.
1: Well, th- And then there's another team that It's kind of surprised me with the high-end players on their team really delivering the goods. They don't have a lot of depth, and that's why the New Jersey Devils still don't rank among, among the powers in the Eastern Conference. But I give a tip of my hat to what I'm seeing from Travis Zajac and Lee Stempniak these are two names that I brought up when we were talking about the profile of this team at the beginning of the season and I'm happy to say that both these guys are delivering more than what most people would have expected but probably in line with, with what I had I think they're top six players on this team they're going to get a lot of ice time and what we're seeing now is that they're producing I don't know whether it's sustainable but they certainly give them, themselves a head start over most projections around the league what do you expect to see from Zajac and Stempniak the rest of the way? Can New Jersey lean on these guys enough to possibly make it a run at the lower end of the playoffs?
2: I, I'm seeing a little bit of a fallback here. I don't know if these guys are talented enough to carry, you know, top line minutes uh, for a team like New Jersey that doesn't have a whole lot of depth, a whole lot of scoring depth. Uh, you know, look at Zajac; he's already almost halfway to last year's point total. Uh, he had 25 last year; he's got 11 now. But uh, you look at the stat line that he's put up, and we're talking about a guy who's taken 19 shots in 14 games, and he scored six goals. I mean, there's just a lot of luck that goes into when you post a stat line like that. And we're talking about a 31.6% shooting percentage, uh, well higher than any two seasons of Travis Ajax's career put together. And and you look at you know game log, he's taken three shots on goal in the last five games. He scored two goals. It's not sustainable.
1: That's pretty hot shooting. I'll grant you that. But I just think that I look at it from the standpoint. These guys have banked a a lot of points that they can withstand a bit of a a lull and still be on pace to produce their best seasons in a long time. It's an upward spike that that the Devils are hanging their hat on. I'm not ready to subscribe to it yet on a full season, but it it certainly bears mentioning given how hot they've started. Uh, Another guy and another team that is relying on uh, hot young players to to make up for what i thought was a, a possible downward spiral in boston they are leaning heavily on a guy like ryan spooner and and certainly david pasternak who's out with an injury right now those guys are filling in behind the one two punch at center in boston with Krejci and bergeron who are largely largely responsible for the the good news that's gone on in in bean town so far this year I wonder what we can expect from Spooner going forward. He's got three points in the past week and looks to me like he's going to get top six minutes over here. We know Pasternak fit, fits that profile. Can we see 40 to 50 points out of these guys this year?
2: Uh, Spooner's ice time has been, I think, a little inconsistent. And if if they have him playing center, it, it seems like he's going to be mostly stuck behind Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. Unless they, they happen to move him over to a wing uh, on a consistent basis, uh, probably that left wing. I don't know if Spooner's going to be able to keep up the pace, but I I like the talent. I think he's a a very accomplished passer. He's a really good playmaker. Not really a goal scorer. uh, Not a guy who's going to pour it in as far as that goes. But you could certainly uh, see Spooner rack up the assists if he sees ice time, and especially if he continues to see the solid power play time that he's had so far.
1: And we, are, we were looking at uh, your team, the Rangers, before the season started, and uh, a name that I brought up was Kevin Hayes. I wondered what we would expect from him. He's uh, caught fire lately and uh, is, is uh, kind of carrying that third line over there. Do you think he's going to stay in the third line role, or does he have what it takes to possibly get top six minutes with the blue shirts?
2: Well, I think Hayes ha- certainly has what it takes to get those top six minutes. The question is if the Rangers are going to have room for him, uh, unless they, you know, suffer an injury or demote a guy like JT Miller to, a, you know, more of a depth line role, you're going to see Hayes stuck on that third line, uh, which is which is really unfortunate for him because you look at the production that he's put up. If you combine this season and last season, talking about 94 games, he's got 55 points, which, you know, isn't a huge amount, but when you consider that he's been doing it in less than 14 minutes of average ice time— that 's incredible
1: I want to turn the attention to a guy that you probably don't don't like very much because of your uh, affiliation with the Rangers as a fan. Scott Hart knows a guy that probably drove you nuts, but he's my kind of player in Spades. This guy is one of those power forwards that scores twenty goals. In his sleep every year, he gets over 100 penalty minutes. If your league rewards the power forward category, this guy is maybe the definitive one out this side of Milan Lucic. He's got three goals and one assist this year on what looks like a pretty unfortunate and, and hapless Columbus team right now that's holding up the rest of the league when you look at the standings. But you've got to find a gem or two on most clubs, and this guy, to me, is, is one that stands out big time in Columbus.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, Hartnell actually never really played well against the Rangers, which I was always quite happy about. Uh, in, in, I just looked up the stat here. In 52 games against the Rangers in his career, he has only 21 points, and minus six rating.
1: That's surprising, because I, I find that when I watch this guy, he he always impresses me, But that's because I get to see him play many times against the Leafs, and he has a He's had a vendetta with Dion Phaneuf that goes back several years. And uh, if you have YouTube access, you can certainly hear some neat clips between the two of them uh, where they're chirping each other on the ice. It's really good good television. <laughs> and, yeah, he's
2: torn up some of the other teams in the East, uh, the Islanders, uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, those are teams that Scott Hartnell likes to play. Yeah.
1: And uh, what about uh, a neat story is unfolding in Arizona their their fortunes have turned around slightly with an upward tick, largely in part to a trio of youngsters that we've talked about, Reeder, Domi, and Declare. But there are a couple of guys, veterans that they're kind of dragging along in their wake, one of which is Mikhail Bodker with a goal and three assists uh, in the past week. He's playing top six minutes with these guys, and I know he's a guy that probably has... Uh, higher visions in terms of career best totals than 45 or 46 points, which is career best to date. Can he top those numbers this year uh, playing alongside these kids? I certainly
2: think he can. I mean, you were talking about a guy who was a number eight overall pick in 2008, a guy who last year, you know, had an injury shortened season, still put up 28 points in 45 games. That already is a pace for 50 plus, uh, which would have been his second straight season doing that. Uh, I think that, 60 is not out of the realm of possibility for Bodker, uh, which is not something I would have said about any Arizona player before the season started. And I want to give some love, too, to their top-liner, Martin Hansel, who scored his first two goals of the year last night, but even before that was on a point-per-game pace just from assists alone. He's been everything they could possibly have asked for him. Now the question is whether he can be the ultimate thing that they ask from him, which is healthy.
1: Well, and that's that's a big question. And, and one guy who's capitalized on good health uh, so far this year to to possibly challenge what he's done in the last couple of years is Tyson Berry. This guy is quickly making a name for himself as one of the top young defensemen in hockey. He's got nine assists already this year and has a 50-plus point season on his resume. I think he's primed for another great season with the turnaround that I'm look, seeing offensively that is happening in, in Colorado to a couple of the young players we already mentioned Uh, the young rookie, uh, the young uh, third-year player uh, a couple of minutes ago. And uh, this guy's another one. Uh, So Tyson Berry anchoring uh, the top four defensemen in Colorado right now. How high can this guy go in terms of point totals?
2: I think last year is a pretty good uh, sort of mark for him. I don't know if he's going to rise necessarily beyond that. But, you know, it's surprising that he hasn't scored a goal yet this season. 25 goals the last two years. Uh, zero goals on 22 shots in 12 games so far this year, even though he's gotten those nine assists, uh, still keeping up the fantasy value, especially with seven of those coming in the last five games, but a good time to throw out a trade offer to your league's Tyson Barry owner. If you're not him say, Oh, look, I've got a defenseman who actually scores goals for you.
1: Well, and another guy who bears mentioning and and is knocking on the door for top ten recognition among blue liners around blue liners around the league is John Klingberg. Four more assists last week, with the fire power, power with the firepower that Dallas has up front, and this guy being the linchpin on the power play quarterback role, I think Klingberg's in line for another gigantic offensive year, and by the end of it, he will be in the discussion for top uh, recognition. Maybe even Norris recognition, because that tends to go now to the top-scoring defenseman. He'll be right there in the discussion, don't you think?
2: I absolutely think so, and you you look at what Klingberg has done so far, and he's right up there with his countryman Eric Carlson, uh, the top defenseman in the league. And you look at Carlson, P.K. Subban, they might be the only defenseman who I take over John Klingberg if I was drafting a fantasy league today.
1: Well, and in terms of fantasy leagues today, a lot of them are focused and really cater to to uh, watching what's happening in the nets around the league. In the goalie situations, we identified a number of situations that look to be two goalie systems where what's happening out of the gate is one of those two goalies has grabbed the lion's share of the role and I think it bears mentioning particularly for the benefit of fantasy uh, players who play the daily games and in the season long ones as well you want a goalie who's playing more of the share and that's and so let's take a look around the NHL at some uh, two goalie systems even a three goalie system where there's some some uh, debate about who should get the starting role going forward in Calgary we have a three-headed monster where we've seen Jonas Hiller go down to injury he was the guy that was holding on to the number one role has played uh, more often than the other two guys Yoni Orteo has been a reliever most of the time Kerry Ramos been up and down and it has three wins in his last five starts he got slammed for four goals against last night but in the previous two games only three goals against in those two starts he's getting more of a look than uh, than Ortio right now and I, I guess it'll be I'm thinking it'll be between him and Hiller when uh, Hiller comes back to health. Who do you see taking the lion's share of the role in Calgary?
2: Yeah, I think it is Hiller when he's healthy. It's going to be Ramo while Hiller isn't healthy. But ultimately, I think anywhere you look in this Calgary goaltending situation, you're not going to get great fantasy production. I do think that they're going to win a little more than they have so far. You're going to get some wins, but ratios have been a huge issue for Ramo, for Orteo, for Hiller. All of them uh, behind what's been a porous blue line, and they're just—they're just not great goalies. You know, you're going to have here and there. You're going to see, you know, stunning performances. You're going to see games where they face 40 shots. You know, maybe they have a really nice game, stop 40, you know, 44, or 45, and you're like, wow, that's really great performance. But then the next time they come out, give up four or five goals, and it's just a, a difficult situation for fantasy owners, uh, and one that I have marked as one to avoid.
1: Well, and another one that you might avoid but other people are, are going to take a, a notice is what's happening here in Toronto. James Reimer has now started the last five games for the Leafs while Jonathan Bernier has been out with a, a leg injury. He's skating with the club again and close to returning, but he's going to have trouble getting the share of the net back from Reimer, who's allowed now 10 goals against in his last five outings, posting a 2-1-2 and two record. And I'm thinking one team particularly would like to admit that they've seen the they're happy to see the last of them that's the Dallas Stars he's beaten them twice in a week and to your point about 40 plus shots against in his career this guy has a 700 winning percentage when he's faced over 40 shots in the league leaf goal that's uh, covering 25 games in his career now after uh, last week's effort particularly
2: yeah Reimer does seem to be a guy who responds to having a lot of work I have noticed that uh it seems like the more you give him the better he is uh the more shots he has to turn away the better he is and yeah you see uh, this five game streak that he's on right now uh nine o nine save percentage or better in each of those five starts uh he's uh he's he's turning the minds of even doubters like me because I've always liked bernier more
1: well and I told you that when i have season when I have my season tickets uh in my hands at the at the games. His wife is sitting right behind me, so i got to give a, give a shout-out to James whenever I can. She'll appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in Buffalo, just uh, across the uh, lake from where I am, Linus Ulmark has uh, made a bit of a mark uh, in the Buffalo goal, but uh, we see on the wire that uh, Chad Johnson's about ready to take c- back control of the net, at least temporarily. Uh, they're sitting in place of Robin Leonard, another three-headed monster, but I think when uh, when the ship gets realigned, Leonard will be the guy. In the meantime, who gets the lion's share of the games going forward in Buffalo?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. We saw Olmark make four straight starts, including one, the third one, uh, the game against Tampa last week where he got yanked. They could have gone to Johnson again, uh, gone back to him on this, in the Saturday game against Vancouver. Instead, they went with Olmark delivered a really good game. Then they played Tampa again, a second time, just yesterday. They rolled out Johnson for that, which makes sense after Olmark got pulled against the Lightning the last time. I have a, a sneaking suspicion that we're going to see more Olmark, though, uh, here in the near future. Uh, until he shows himself to be you know, uh, too inconsistent to play, it's not like Johnson has made such a strong argument to hold on to the role, aside from uh, a very strong effort yesterday and... Uh, the previous time in relief against tampa
1: and he would qualify as a sleeper pick i want to turn our attention to a few other guys who are sleeper picks that are emerging so far in the early going one who you highlighted at the in when you when we did the preview of the blackhawks was artemi panarin he has vaulted to the league leadership among rookie scorers with 15 points in 12 games and uh, looks like the real deal after playing a couple of years in the khl he really matured as a player and brought that level of maturity and his game to the smaller rinks in in north america and has formed an outstanding partnership with patrick kane you
2: yeah, know well, Penarin certainly got a cake assignment skating alongside <laughs> kane on that first line
1: he, he had to earn his earn his stripes of training camp i think he's full value for it
2: well you know i'm i'm not taking a single thing away from him he's shown great skill great poise for a rookie you know 24 years old a little bit of an older rookie uh coming over from you know obviously having played pro hockey in russia but yeah point per game right now for panarin you see he's he's coming along with uh, with just about everything kane is doing and that's just a great position to be in from a fantasy perspective uh he's gonna have to hold on to it he's gonna have to stay consistent over the course of the grind he's never faced that that kind of nhl grind the, the nhl physicality uh so it's gonna be interesting to see if panarin can keep it up and and if he can hold on to that line assignment, but if he can, uh, the points will keep flowing in with great regularity.
1: Now I want to talk about a guy who's five foot eight, generously listed as five foot eight on the New York Rangers roster, and that's about, and that's about four inches shorter than the maybe five inches shorter than the average height of, among the forwards over here. He has seasons of fifty-nine points and forty-nine points, and right now, twelve points in fifteen games, and earning first-line minutes with the blue shirts. Can that continue? And if it does, how high can this guy go?
2: Well, I think that Zuccarello is awesome. He's been one of my favorite players in the league uh, ever since the Rangers picked him up after he led the Swedish league in scoring. Uh, you know, some years ago now, uh, has has some injury problems uh, at the end of last year. Uh, you know, was got hurt in the playoffs. Uh, really kind of had a little bit of a down season going from 59 points the year before to 49, but he's really bounced back this year. He's looked very strong on the puck, uh, showing no ill effects from that very scary injury he had in the playoffs. I love Zuccarello. Uh, there's there's no no fantasy league where I wouldn't want to own him.
1: Well, and I wonder, you probably have the same feeling for a guy by the name of Dale Weiss, though he's not with the Rangers. This guy has been a, had been a career fourth-line player, and prior to last season, hadn't even tallied more than four goals in, in NANHL seasons. Just a fourth-line plugger, Andrew. Yet last year, what we saw from this guy was 10 goals in the regular season and 29 points for the Canadians, along with a plus 21, far outstripping anything they'd done previously. And then he went nuts in the playoffs, too. Uh, to the point where he came into camp this year with a lot more confidence, and he was given more of a shot to play uh, bigger minutes. He's up to almost 14 minutes a game and has eight goals in 16 games to show for his efforts. Anybody who took a flyer on this guy would have been very late in the draft, and he's get- delivering the goods. Uh, is a 20-goal season in store for him.
2: Well, it's not going to be that hard for him to get there. He only has to score uh, a dozen over the next uh, 66 games. Uh, it seems doable. But, you know, Wiese is a guy... Uh, Came up with the Rangers. Uh, it's, uh, you want to talk about the Rangers again? Uh, this is a Rangers draft pick, uh, fourth round, two thousand eight. Uh, came up uh, with New York. I remember him uh, very vividly, despite his ten games without a, a single point as a Ranger. <laughs>
1: I fe- I fed you that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> good, I mean, he, good. for doing he's been, homework. <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's been uh, he's been pegged as a as that kind of fourth line grinder, and he he is that. That sort of player in a lot of ways, but he's got a little bit of skill to him too. He's got a 50 point AHL season, 28 goals and 50 points in 2009 10 with uh, the Rangers AHL affiliate in Hartford. Uh, I think this is a guy who, you know, he's not going to, you know, you're not going to see him evolve into a a big time scorer, but he can put up some points and he can put up a few penalty minutes and he's going to put up a great plus minus for a Montreal team that scores a lot more goals than it gives up.
1: Now, okay. now you're feeding into me, and and I want to talk about one of my favorite guys when it comes to the last couple of rounds in fantasy. Every year I find, at least on a couple of teams, I put Troy Brower in the mix on the Brew Crew. That's what I call my team usually. So Brower is a guy, in the last couple of years, he's even topped the 20-goal mark and largely uh, in third-line roles, over the, although last year he earned a lot of first-line minutes with... Ovechkin and Backstrom in Washington and that really elevated his profile he's had a couple of great playoff runs with the Caps in the past so when they made that trade with St. Louis uh, with TJ Oshie going the other way I didn't see it as lopsided as some other people did what this guy brings to the table is is the typical power forward game he's a bruising type of player he looks good on the power play he's got two points on the St. Louis power play and they've got a deep uh, array of people that they can put out there he's getting two minutes a game there on the, on the special teams he's got 11 points 15 games so far I like what this guy brings to the table and I think he fills a need in St. Louis they have a bunch of guys that are more uh, inclined to the skill game as opposed to the physical uh, part of the game that that certainly uh, comes to the fore in the playoffs I think that we'll really see his value down the road but for now he's even showing well in the short term
2: Yeah, Brower's the kind of guy who plays winning hockey,
1: but I have been a little surprised to see those 11 points
2: in 15 games, especially coming over from Washington, a more offensively friendly place. St. Louis, I think, plays more of a two-way game than the Caps have, although you have to say the Caps in the last couple of years have really uh, recommitted themselves to, to playing good defense. But even so, uh, it is surprising to see Brouwer scoring a little bit of a higher rate f- as a blue so far. I expect that to fall off a little bit. He- his ice time is a little down from uh, the sort of rates that he's enjoyed the last few seasons. But he's going to be a presence on that power play. Uh, he's going to be a presence in the playoffs, which is when they're really going to need him.
1: And what about the new presence in Calgary? Sam Bennett following in the footsteps of Sean Monahan, who came before him as a top draft pick up front. And he's getting uh, second-line minutes right now and scoring regularly in Calgary. They used a high draft pick on him. It looks like he's coming up with the goods. uh, Still not 20 years old. What's the ceiling on Sam Bennett from your perspective?
2: I think the the ceiling on Sam Bennett may have no limit. This guy is going to be really, really good. Uh, Number four overall pick just a year ago. Uh, Couldn't break in with Calgary last season, but this year... He's there, he's playing, uh, seeing big minutes lately, putting up points. Uh, he's got, what is it, uh, eight points in the last seven games now. Uh, really starting to come into his own with, with solid ice time. Uh, still not getting a whole ton of power play time. Uh, he's still kind of stuck on that second unit. But I think we're going to see more and more development from Sam Bennett as the year goes on. I wouldn't be surprised to see him among the rookie scoring leaders when all said and done
1: want to turn to a couple of injury notes that uh, bear monitoring. Carey Price is still out of the lineup for Montreal with that leg injury. It's turned out to be a little more serious than it was ori- originally thought to be. Uh, Mike Condon's been a fabulous fill in in the short term, and Montreal built up a big lead already in the Eastern Conference. But they have to be a little bit concerned when a goalie has a leg injury, he doesn't recover. And he doesn't recover quickly. That makes you think, is it groin-related? Is it ligament-related? Is there more uh, trouble in store for Carey Price over the, the short term? How, how do you feel about this situation?
2: Well, the good news is that they do say that Price is responding well to treatment. He's not going to have surgery. And the better news is that Mike Condon has stepped in and really given the Habs the protection that they were looking for from a backup goalie. Six uh, zero and one in seven starts. Uh, since price went down, he's made five starts. He's won four of them. He's only given up uh, eight goals in that span. Uh, no save percentage lower than nine twenty six in that span. Uh, he has just been unbelievable, and I, I think it's a, a credit to the Montreal system. that They're really playing a tight defensive game, uh, a game that that leaves their goalies to stop you know higher percentage pucks than than you know normal. And and that's gonna do wonders for Condon as well as for Carey Price when he eventually returns.
1: And we gotta tip our cap to the Detroit Red Wings who have been without perhaps their signature player Pavel Datsyuk. He's expected to come back into the lineup this Friday, but they've withstood his absence in fine style so far, Andrew. And I just wonder what kind of Pavel Datsyuk we're gonna see when he comes back. Is it gonna be that first line guy that scores at about a point a game pace? Or is his age going to finally show at 37 years of age?
2: I think you're going to still see the same Datsuk, you know, it's a guy who, he may have been 36 last year, still more than a point per game, even though he missed some time, as he often does these days, uh, very banged up here late in his career. But it has not impacted his scoring one bit. I think Pavel Datsuk is still near the top of his game somehow, even in his late 30s. Uh, it may be a little bit slow in the first couple of weeks coming back after the injury, but Hope to see him back out there Friday uh, for a Detroit team that that could really use him. They could use a little bit of scoring depth.
1: Well, and another team that we think could use a little scoring depth is the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't think either of us would have expected me to say this as we are in the second month of the season looking at a team that's scoring barely 2.5 goals per game. Lucky for them, their goalie's having a career best start, turning pucks back. Uh, at 1.93 goals against average so far through 12 starts seven of which were wins so uh, certainly Marc-Andre Fleury proving to be a great leader not only in the dressing room but on the ice for the Penguins I don't know where they'd be without his outstanding start so far this year but he's certainly keeping them in the discussion for a playoff spot uh, at least in the early going for Pittsburgh
2: yeah you know if you're gonna own if you're gonna have Marc-Andre Fleury play for you at any time It should be approximately between, oh, October to
1: April. (laughs) Alluding to some playoff failures. Well, we're going to have fun with that in the playoff show Uh, when we do it six months from now. but. You're right. This guy's a regular season stud, and he's having the studliest of starts so far this year. And uh, the Penguins need him to be that good right now. With what what amounts to a pop gun offense, once he get past uh, Phil Kessel and uh, Malkin, Crosby hasn't even done that much for them so far.
2: And Crosby has been the the biggest disaster of all. Uh, you know, the top pick in in almost every fantasy league. You have to think uh, coming into this year, just you know, as always, pretty much uh, throughout his career. But seven points in fourteen games, it's picking it up a little lately. But went minus four without a point in the in their last game, and a loss to Calgary uh, over the weekend. Uh, you really have to be concerned about Crosby. You know, the the luck is going to correct itself. The shooting percentage will come up. The goals will start coming in. Uh, I'm sure that he'll he'll see his stats buoyed. You know, you look at that stat line. It's ugly. But what two big games, and all of a sudden you're right around a point per game pace again.
1: Well, and a couple of guys on the injury list, uh, some big names dropping onto the wi- injury list in the last little while. We have to begin with Connor McDavid out with a, at least a couple of months with a broken collarbone. The guy who's got to be crying on the, in the dressing room is Niall Yakupov. <laughs> so what, he's, what he's done for uh, uh, McDavid's done for him so far in the early going, he should be sending uh, flowers and chocolates to, to the hospital room to his see mcdavid get better fast andrich Pilat in tampa out three to five weeks with a lower body injury that means somebody's gonna have to step up and talk top uh, six minutes finally zach parise out two to three weeks with a knee injury i welcome your comments on any of these three guys but they're big names that fantasy owners have to be cringing about losing these guys from their lineups right now
2: absolutely and especially tough with mcdavid who was just starting to round into form uh had just gone on a nice little uh, seven game point streak uh then had a, a couple of games off the score sheet or rather one game off the score sheet and then the game that he got hurt against Philadelphia it's tough a uh, tough spot for the Oilers it looks like uh, another down year in Edmonton they're still not quite getting it together it's just it's it's hard to understand Edmonton for me you know they have so many pieces they i think the majority of the league would have to be in envy of the kind of pieces that the Oilers have to roll out there and not just on offense, on defense too. They have you know, guys like uh, Andre Sequeira, a very solid defenseman. They've got Darnell Nurse, a very promising rookie. Uh, Oscar Kleffbaum now in his uh, second full season uh, looking really solid. And yet they they just can't quite get it together. It doesn't all add up. They're less than the sum of their parts And it doesn't seem to matter who the coach is. It doesn't seem to matter if they get new stars. They're continually less than the sum of their parts. And I I really can't explain it.
1: Well, it's got to come down to dressing room chemistry for me. Uh, I can't see a a streak of of the draft picks that they've had so far going unrewarded like it has much longer. Uh, They have to consider if they don't make something happen in the next year or two with that core, they've got to make a big move somewhere to shake things up because, and maybe there's an element of a country st- a club uh, there that that has crept into the the body language of this team when it's on the ice, but uh they have a lot of intriguing players, a lot of intriguing pieces, but missing their signature guy is going to hurt them for uh, a couple of months and maybe make them a part of the draft lottery for another year. who knows
2: yeah, I don't think it's good to have these you know these number one picks these guys are all coming from careers and juniors uh where they had. You know, stunning success where they were the best players in the league, where their teams were the best teams in the league, and now, you know, you have guys like Nail Yakupov, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall. It's like they're getting used to losing, and and I think that that's something you have to really be afraid of uh, if you're Edmonton, and and maybe a, a shakeup maybe in the cards. Uh, you know, I wouldn't advise for them to trade Hall, but maybe Nugent Hopkins goes, maybe. Uh, you know, Benoit Pouliot, if they can get rid of his contract, goes somewhere. Uh, they need to do something to, to change the culture.
1: And I would welcome one of those pieces to the Leafs in a heartbeat. <laughs> so let's turn our attention to the signature part of the show that uh, I look forward to every week, Andrew. And that is uh, talk about the stud of the week and the rant of the week. I'll begin with the start of the week. Uh, another one of these goalie tandem situations that has uh, gone right for Jake Allen in St. Louis. This is a guy that the Blues have really been pinning their hopes on for a while to take the bit and run with it. He has far outstripped Brian Elliott in the early going with a 6-3 and one-loss record, a 174 goals against, and a 945 save percentage. All of those, those latter two points are well above... The league uh, league averages, and uh, this guy might be finally ready to join the likes of the Braden Holtby, the Marc Andre Fleury's, the Henrik Lundqvist as guys that are frontline goalies who can play sixty or seventy games and play them at a high level. I think
2: Allen has has thoroughly outplayed Brian Elliott, and you know we see that in in the results that he's continuing to get the starts, got consecutive shutouts. Behind him now, uh, six wins in his last seven. This guy's gonna take off and run with with this job. Uh, Allen's always been a superbly talented player, a, a former second round pick, a guy who really showed well in the AHL. And and Elliott has been, you know, a, a weird goalie, right? He's had a, a strange career, uh, a very mediocre goalie for you know the entire you know first five years of his career. Then all of a sudden, he comes to St. Louis. Puts up at that 940 save percentage season with that 156 goals against uh, back in 1112, uh, and then kind of settled into being a good but not great thereafter behind a team that has
1: generally played really great defense. And that's where Elliot really made his bones that one year that you're talking about. This was this guy was in the right place at the right time. I agree with your assessment. In the early part of his career in Ottawa, he was battling for playing time there, there largely as in the backup role. And, uh, again, he found himself in, the, in that competition here. But the guy with the talent, the guy that the Blues have been pinning their hopes on, has finally risen to the forefront. And he is full value for that role. And I see him taking on that big chunk. And he'll play upwards of about 55 to 60 games before it's all said and done. And for those fantasy owners who picked him in their drafts, it's time to give yourselves a pat on the back. That was a great pick. Now, for the rant of the week, this is one that's uh, been in the news around the uh, The uh, Hall of Fame inductions and and the general managers getting together. They're looking at solutions for the reduction in goal-scoring Andrew, locally uh, here in the Toronto area, I've heard about enlarging the nets and shaving the goal posts to direct more pucks into the nets. Do- those ideas come to you from the same people who think the shootout is a good overtime solution, and you know exactly how I feel about that. <laughs> I think these are ridiculous notions, and I think uh, the, the other one that kind of makes a little bit of sense is taking a look at the equipment that the goalies are wearing. The fact of the matter is, in my opinion, we're in another one of the, those golden ages for goaltenders around hockey. Every every few years, we see an improvement in the, in the goaltending and the defensive tactics, and those elements are converging to make it harder for people to score. Uh, I spoke to you uh, in uh, Show Prep Time about an article that I saw several years ago featuring a picture of Eddie Mio, and another one with Roberto Luongo standing in front of a goal net. Mio was a typical goalie in the 80s who was about five foot eight in size, 165 pounds. L- Roberto Luongo about 6 inches taller and about 40 pounds heavier. They showed that Mio kept, uh, stood in front of a net and covered about 50% of the goal area, whereas Luongo in front of the same goal, same perspective, covered about 75%. That's the biggest change in hockey right now. It's harder to find an opening on these bigger goalies. They're more agile, more skilled, and that's why it's harder to score. So the players and shooters out there just simply have to find a way to deal with it, and they will. That's the way hockey's been, and it will continue to be. uh, Defense and offense is always a tug of war. Right now, defense is winning. That's the way I see it. I'm not fretting about reduction in goal scoring. It's still a great game, the greatest game in the world.
2: I do think. I mean, you can see if you look at NHL save percentage by year, it's been skyrocketing, and I and I think that if you want hockey to have a broader appeal, uh, if, you know, especially uh, I know you're you're in Canada, everyone loves hockey as a matter as a matter of course, but here in the American market, they have to compete with you know with baseball, with football, with basketball, and uh, you know, obviously, it's it's not as popular. And one of the reasons is that, you know, people like offense, or at least Americans like offense. <laughs> and and you look at the yes, the goalies have gotten bigger, you can't help that. But the size of the pads, I think, has really gotten excessive. Uh, you know, it started in the nineties and you know, maybe the early aughts with, with Garth Snow, uh was known for the, the size of his pads. Uh I was just reading a, a quote from Martin Brodeur from back from two thousand three about that. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. <laughs> says says, uh, Garth Snow keeps adding pieces to his pads, uh, and his shoulder pads are so big he looks like Golder Rock, the robot I watched killing bad guys on TV when I was a kid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and another guy that looks huge in his pads, but outside of them is rad- rather ordinary in stature, is Ryan Miller. This guy's been one of the top goalies in hockey for years, and to your point about stream- streamlining the equipment, there are ways to make it more form-fitting and... Uh, allowing more of the net to be exposed when you tighten up the uniform and make make it more streamlined look and uh, sure shorten the pads a little bit because they don't need them as high as they are they've got leg pads on uh, underneath their pants too that that can cover any any areas that might be vulnerable so there are ways to to deal with uh, the goalie equipment that i think make the most sense in terms of uh giving a bit of an assist to, uh, possibly improving the offense, but don't let me hear about shaving goal posts and, and that kind of nonsense. Because Absolutely. That, that's just, I completely agree. That's just carny stuff. And, and I, <laughs> and I can't, can't stand the thought of something like that. actually. Being... Although man, isn't
2: it brutal when you, when you, you come up the ice and you fire that beautiful shot and it just clanks off the crossbar. Oh, it's so and, and so go- brutal! And
1: the goalie says, "Hey, that's all I gave you to shoot at." So that's that's part of the banter that goes on on the ice, and uh, they'll say to you, the goalies will say to you, "You hit the post because that's the only thing I gave you." And so that's that's been a part of the history of the game, and I don't want to see the six by four change into seven by five or anything like that. Definitely not. Let's just keep it like it is because. Uh, the shootout's already gone too far in terms of of taking away some of the greatness of of, uh, of this game, in my opinion, and taking away from the skills that we see in a team game. Uh, let's not see uh, shooting hoops to settle basketball anytime soon either. And so that's that. Isn't a- that what they do? I thought that's what they do. <laughs> well, I know in Toronto there there's a little bit of a cry about a foul last night too. Andrew, did you see that game? No, I did not. Oh, my God. With 20 seconds left right in front of the Raptors bench, uh, Carmelo Anthony stepped out of bounds while in possession of the ball and a one-point lead, and the refs didn't call it. They were right there. It was just heartbreaking. A
2: little uh, little <laughs> bonus basketball coverage for you here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, in any case, uh, I want to I thank you for uh, another great show, Andrew, and uh, I will invite our listeners to join us next time when we get together on The Great Ones presented to you by Rotowire, the fantasy hockey podcast that is unbeatable. And uh, we are looking forward to bringing you more news and notes in the coming weeks. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.
0: This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.